0: In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. amen. Uh, you know, there's a lot in our world that goes on that we can't see—forces and uh, sound and different sciencey kind of stuff that is real and is happening, but we can't really see it. We took the kids to um, uh, a science museum in Charlotte when we went to visit my parents. And they had all these exhibits there at this science museum, the purpose of which was to to take things that you can see to help you understand more deeply things that are going on in our world that you can't see. Uh, For... For instance, one uh, was they had this large drum-looking thing. And uh, if you uh, hit on the back of it, what it's trying to, to get you the idea to understand is that the uh, the pressure that was forced into this, this little drum pushed out uh, a force of pressure and would affect everything in front of it. And if you just hit on it, is like, what? What's going on? It just sounds like a drum. But over on the other side of the room, they had all these little flags sitting up. And as you hit on the back of this drum, what you would notice is in the, the shape of the drum on the other side, all of those little flags moved. Something visible that you can see helps you understand more about the world that you, you can't see. When I was little, I did an amazing science experiment. Uh, you take... A dish of water. You sprinkle pepper on top of it. And then you take a bar of soap. And you take this bar of soap. You stick it in the middle of the dish of pepper. You know what happens? All the pepper shoots to the side. Why? Why did I do something like that? Because there's something on the top of water. Uh, Surface tension. You sprinkle the pepper on the top so that you can see it. But what the soap does is it breaks the surface tension. Using something you can see, the pepper, to help you understand more deeply things that you can't see so that you can understand more what's going on. Same thing with laser beams. Like your remote control in your, in your house. You can't see anything. You just push this button and things happen. But if you put a fog machine in your house, all of a sudden you see things going all over the fog. Using something you can see to help you understand more deeply things that you can't see. We're continuing our journey through the book of Leviticus. And we're in a a section from... Uh, chapters uh, 11 on to the end of 15 that are doing a lot of discussion about being clean and unclean, pure, impure, holy. Uh, and this week, we're looking at um, some purity laws and some cleansing laws that have to do with leprosy. Or another, a better term probably would be uh, Uh, skin diseases. What is the point of this this section of this book? Well, we're going to read it here in a little bit, but realize this. It's not just about hygiene or quarantine. It's not a, a medical text to help you identify certain diseases. It's something... More is going on. God is using these laws, something that we can see and the relationships and effects in people's bodies, to help to give us understanding to something deeper that we can't always see or understand. It's like pepper on a dish of water with soap. Except God's using disease and people and separation to communicate something to us. So let's dig in and look at this together. Um, we're actually going to look at verse at chapters 13 and 14. I'm not going to read the whole thing uh, this week. There's a lot of repetition. And so I'm going to uh, skip some and, and summarize it and just hit some of the, the, the highlights of, of things and we'll we'll dig more deeply just in general, though, chapter 13 is about uh, identifying these uh, particular uh, diseases. Chapter 14 is about how you go uh, about cleansing someone who has them. So moving them from the, the ritual state of being unclean back to being clean. Um, so remember, this is, uh, this is God's word. And if you want to follow along with me, you'll find this on... If you're using one of the black Bibles in your seats... This is on page 90. Uh, is where we'll, we'll start. Um, so, uh, the Word of God for us this morning. Leviticus chapter 13. Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous, uh, leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest's. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the spot is white in the skin of his body and appears no deeper than the skin, and the hair in it is not turned white, the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day, And if in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease is not spread in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And if the disease area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest. And the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. It goes through several different types of, of various diseases that they would examine. We're going to pick up down in verse, uh, verse 38. When a man or a woman has spots on the skin of the body, white spots, the priest shall look, and if the spots on the skin of the body are a, a dull white, it is leukoderma that has broken out in the skin. He is clean. So there were some that would render you unclean, some skin things that would not render you unclean. Um, and it continues. Uh, if a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald. He is clean. And if his, a man's hair falls out on, from his forehead, he has baldness of the forehead. He is clean. But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead a reddish-white a reddish diseased area, it's leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine him. And if the disease swelling is reddish-white on his bald head or his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprous disease in the skin of his body, he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean. His disease is on his head. Um, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and shall let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out unclean unclean he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease he is unclean he shall live alone his dwelling shall be outside the camp and then verse uh, 47 and following talks about um if these disease if this uh this skin disease happens in clothing or leather, and it goes through the process of identifying that. And so we're going to um, uh, hop down to um, verse uh, verse fifty nine, where it, it summarizes this. This is the law for a case of leprous disease in a garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, to determine whether it is clean or unclean. And then verse ch- uh, chapter fourteen describes how one is made clean. So listen to this, what Yahweh says to Moses. This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird of the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them in the live bird in the blood uh, and the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and he shall let the living bird go into an open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes and shave off all his hair and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that, he may come into the camp, but live outside of his tent for seven days. And on the seventh day, he shall shave off all of his hair from his head, his beard, his eyebrows. And he shall shave off all of his hair, and he shall wash his clothes and bathe his water. Uh, bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb, a year old without blemish, and a grain offering of three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, And one log of oil and the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before Yahweh at the entrance of the tent of meeting and the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with the log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before Yahweh and he shall kill the lamb in the place where they killed the sin offering and the burn offering in the place of the sanctuary for the guilt offering like the sin offering belongs to the priest it is most holy The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand and dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and sprinkle some oil with his finger seven times before Yahweh. And some of the oil that remains in his hand, the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot and on the top, on top of the blood of the guilt offering. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him as to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before Yahweh. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. And afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering and the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. But if he is poor and cannot afford uh, so much, he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be waived to make atonement for him. Uh, and adjust adjusts the, the, the details, and then it talks about how uh, a poor person could use um, uh, doves for some of the other offerings to account for those who might not be able to afford as much. Um, then in verses 33 and following, it talks about what if there's an infestation of one of these uh, mold or mildew kind of cases in a house. And then it g- does a similar ceremony for um, identifying w- for seven days, setting it apart, and then they do a similar blood ceremony with the birds to, to cleanse the home if it wasn't des- didn't need to be destroyed for being uh, infested. And then we'll uh, we'll close with verses. 54 and 57 through 57 at the end. This is the law for any case of leprous disease for an itch for leprous disease in a garment or in a house and for the swelling of an eruption or a spot to show when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law for leprous disease. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Uh, We thank you that in your mercy, you've given us uh, your word um, to teach us about ourselves and about you. Uh, we pray that you would use this. It, it is your word. We need your help. We need understanding that uh, this wouldn't just be a, a theological lesson, but it would be uh, the work of the Holy Spirit applying the living and active word of God to the hearts and lives of uh, your people. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, God's given these laws to help his people uh, Understand through things that they can see uh, deeper realities in their lives and in the world of things that they that they can't can't see. Remember, we've we've talked about these uh, these categories before clean and unclean as they are related to communicating to the people something about God's holiness. And he is the uh, uh, humans unless God provides a way we can't enter into his holy and perfect presence. Um, sin has caused deeper issues than maybe we're aware of. And um, the way we're, we're going to look at it this morning, we're going to focus mainly on the, the leprous skin diseases for the person. Notice that as we read, God also talks about how these, uh, there could be certain types of uh, um, ailments or uh, disease-type things that affect cloth. So our clothing, the things that we wear, and also homes, the places that we live. Uh, Remember something that we saw last week as we looked at childbirth and uh, the connections of of God talking about uncleanness and Him bringing about purification there, of God talking about how sin affects lots of the aspects of our lives. The fall has affected all sorts of things, particularly childbirth with women. But here's something that we're seeing Uh, In in another way, how the effects of the fall affect every aspect of our lives, our bodies and how it can be affected by the effects of sin, our clothing, where we live. Think back of how that would relate to Genesis three and the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve clothing themselves with something else of the fact that the effects of the fall affected where they lived and them having to move out of the Garden of Eden to live somewhere else and how that was going to be problematic for them. God's getting at these bigger pictures of, of how the, the fall and its effects permeate deep down into and, and every aspect of our lives and showing that His work of redemption is working to push that back. How specifically here? What is God wanting us to understand more deeply about the effects of the fall and sin. And how does this leprous disease law help us understand that? Well, uh, notice here first. Well, I don't know, just as we get going, what what's in your mind when you think leprosy? The term or leprous disease? Uh, um, it's translated with that word, but it's probably better just to think of, of uh, skin diseases, um, and particularly these ritually defiling ones. The, as people have studied this and looked at it, don't think about um, leprosy where, we're, where you're thinking about uh, body parts coming numb, your nose, your fingers falling off, or things like that. That would have been considered a leprous disease and would have been more prevalent later. It was around at this time. But as they look at the symptoms and things that are described, i got some pictures of more of what they're talking about. Um, one uh, would have been just psoriasis. It might be hard to understand. Um, think just red rash on your body, similar looking to eczema. This would have been one of the ones that are, that are described. Uh, genetic, not Contagious. Um, uh, uh, this would have been considered uh, during the time when it, it would have broken out on your skin. Would have been considered an unclean, uh, unclean disease, or unclean. Uh, you would have been unclean as it as it was there. This next one um, uh, is, uh, I think it's called farva or something like that. It's more of a, a fungus type expansion. This would have rendered one definitely unclean. Um, think about the part where it's talking about. Uh, if you go back and read about your hair, if there's baldness in sections of your hair or um, yellow hair and things like that, similar to this type of disease, you would have been unclean while this was around. Um, and then this last one is leukoderma, where uh, your uh, pigment has changed on your on your skin from being its normal color to being uh, really pale without pigmentation. This would have been... you'd have, You could have had this and still been clean. This is the one that we read where it says it's just leukoderma. You're clean. It's okay. Um, so uh, don't uh, don't go to the extent of thinking if you're picturing in your mind what would these things have, have looked looked like. Um, but remember, this is not a medical book. God's, the, the priests weren't doctors. They weren't diagnosing these diseases and saying this is what you have and this is how you will be healed. It's talking about uncleanness, and remember uncleanness being ritual categories. Uh, Sin can make one unclean, but just because you were unclean didn't mean you had sinned. What is it about what's going on here? What is God showing through this thing on people's skin that they can see to give us these deeper understandings of what we can't see? Um, notice the effects of what happens. Remember, when you're unclean, you're separated from God. You can't enter into the the sanctuary. And particularly here with leprosy, did you notice what the results would be and what life would have been like for one who had been um, uh, identified as having one of these unclean skin diseases and been designated as unclean with this disease. Notice in verse uh, verse 45 and following, this is what, what it says. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and shall let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone his dwelling shall be outside the camp so think about the experience of the leper the experience of the person with the skin disease who's been called unclean what their life would have been like they would have any general person who was unclean with the various other things we've talked about wouldn't have been able to enter into the, the the tabernacle area. You wouldn't have been able to offer sacrifices. You would have had to stay outside because it's a holy area. But with the leper, you're now outside of the entire camp. Outside of the dwelling place of all of God's people, you must live outside of the boundaries of the camp area. You are completely separated from God and from His people. You must verbalize and vocalize that as you're walking around so that people know and understand that if they, get in, they come into contact with you, they will also be unclean. Uh, others, uh, in describing the, the impact that this would have had on those who are unclean due to these diseases, uh, Josephus, a guy who commented on uh, life in the, uh, the ancient um, Hebrew uh, world, uh, described that they were in effect dead people they were they were living like a walking death. Have you ever been separated from people like that in our house? every now and then we separate one another from people when we are sick, you get quarantined because we don 't want it to spread for me it's i hate it it 's miserable. Um, I'm sitting up in my room. I'm used to venturing out all around our house, interacting and eating meals with Lindsay and the kids, uh, talking to people as they come in. But when I'm sick and we want to keep it from spreading throughout the rest of the family or for other people who come and visit, I'm stuck in my room. I can't leave. I can't go interact with everybody. The, the, the touch and interaction with my, my, my family and my friends that was there before is now no longer there. I eat alone. I sit alone. When they come to see me, um, uh, they they bring the food and, and, and the touch is very minimal so that the disease doesn't spread to other people. It's absolutely miserable. I long to be back with my family as much, if not more, than the healing itself. There's... There's a, 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 an isolation and a loneliness that comes with it. Think about that effect for an extended period of time in your life as one who has this unclean leprosy disease. What, what is it that God's trying to communicate through this, through this experience that this person would have? Remember what is, tr- is going on. Visible things to communicate... Uh, unseen truths so we can understand them deeper. What are the, the larger effects of sin and the fall? Remember back to Genesis 3. Man was created to dwell in relationship with God. And what happened when sin and rebellion entered into the world? We were no longer allowed in God's presence. Adam and Eve had to leave the garden. They could no longer dwell within the boundary of uh, the Garden of Eden, God's place. They had to live outside of the garden, just like the leper has to live outside of the camp. There was a visible, tangible experience that Adam and Eve faced that they could no longer go into the garden. Their sin had separated them from God. Now here, as the leper and the people of Israel see what's going on, they're getting a a real-life, tangible illustration of the effects of sin. God happens to use a skin disease as as the designated uh, um, teaching tool to illustrate this. But notice the effect. The effect of the fall renders one isolated and separated from the presence of God and His people. What would this... What effect should it have had on on the person who was experiencing this isolation? It would have given them the opportunity and the the time to, uh, and not just them, but everybody watching should have thought more deeply about their interaction and connection with God. It should have led them to consider their own life and their own heart. If If a skin disease like this would render one outside and separated something that I can see like that separates me from God and from his people, then how much more what I can't see, what's deep in my own heart, my own sin. If a skin disease would keep me away from experiencing the full benefits of the the presence of God and his people, then what about my my own sin? How much does that separate and keep me from full interaction with God? Because if God is absolutely holy and nothing unholy or impure is allowed into his presence, then this should cause me to think deeply, not just about the stuff on the outside, but to go deeper to the things that I can't see, to my own heart, my own attitudes, my desires. Things that other people aren't aware of as well. And you see, the problem was is that the people of Israel didn't grasp this deeply. It became more about the lepers' disease and their uncleanness, and they failed to, to look and think about them themselves. It was all about them and their problems and not realizing, oh, I have my own issues as well. It might not be leprosy, but that law should cause me to consider how much I am in need of God. See, what the people began to do is is they would make additional laws to further isolate the leper from life in the community. You see, it wasn't a sin to become unclean. You could have gone and seen the leper. You could have gone and visited them outside of the camp. You could have touched them. You could have eaten with them and interacted with them. All you would have needed to do is once you came back, before you came back into and and engaged with the rest of the society, it's just washed. And you would have been unclean until evening. And then after evening was over, you could have engaged fully in the life of the community. But the people began to think, that's too inconvenient. It's too much of a hassle to enter into their brokenness, to go outside of the camp to them. So what they wanted to do is, you're the one with the issues, leper. You're the one with the problems. We got it all together. We're clean. I don't want to... It's, it's going to be too much of a mess for me to get in with your life. Let me focus on you and keeping you away. Listen to, to how far they went. These are laws that became, began to come up. Uh, they... Some people, they began to require that lepers would have to stand at least 50 paces away from anyone. You couldn't come that close to anyone. Going much further than what uh, the Scriptures said. Some even began to make these laws. They said, if a leper is standing under a tree and you pass under that tree, now you're unclean. One... One rabbi and one teacher said, if you come within a hundred cubits, I think a cubit is about 18 inches, um, downwind of a leper, you could become unclean. The response was not one to embrace these outward visible things that God is wanting to teach us about these tangible effects of sin in our world and in our lives, but they begin to, to, to push the leper away. But it's interesting to see the effect that it actually had on the lepers. If we look in the, the New Testament, uh, in uh, Mark chapter 1, there is a, uh, an encounter where Jesus meets... A leper. And notice what the leper says. In Mark uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. And a leper came to him, Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him. Notice he's broken all of those laws that the, the Pharisees and these rabbis put together. But listen to what he says. If you will, you can make me clean. Notice he doesn't say, heal me. Throughout the Gospels, when people are talking about diseases, other diseases that didn't render one unclean, they always said, will you heal me? Here, the leper's using this language, clean. He's using the ritual categories. The effect it had on the leper is he. it worked its way deep into his heart. He's not concerned about the disease, He's concerned about being able to enter into the presence of God and the community of His people. The work, the, uh, the, the effect it had in his life was realizing, I'm in deep need of the grace and mercy of God to bring me into fellowship with His people. I can't do it on my own. I am in need of You, God. Will You work? Will You change? Will You have an effect in my life? The leper's in a place of humility, of dependency, of rest, and acknowledging his need for God. This was the effect it should have had on everybody, not just the leper. But the lepers don't get angry at God. The lepers don't react and and call Him unfair. They get the point and long, not for healing, but for reunification and fellowship with God and with His people. It's maybe... Maybe it's a strange grace of this law that one who for some reason is stricken with leprosy understands in a deep, real, tangible way what we all deeply need to understand. Sin, and we're not saying that it was their sin and God was punishing them for a specific sin they did and that's why they got leprosy, but just the effects of the fall. Sin separates me from God and I need him. God, will you do some work in my life? It's a strange grace, it seems, that this isolating law, this law of, of clean and uncleanness for the leper would cause them to long to be clean. What about, what about you and what about me? How much do you need Jesus? Jesus. Just a little bit? Do you have it all together and just need a little bit of help? Or do maybe more of us need to embrace this deep truth that is being shown to us? Everybody, not just the leper, apart from God's provision, your sin separates you from God. You are not worthy or able to enter into His presence. You need Him. We need to be those who have a humble posture before our God, realizing, longing for, not just escape from punishment, not just escape and deliverance from consequence, but cleanness, restoration of relationship and community with God into His presence with His people. Now, the lepers could have still, we're not saying they weren't trusting in God, because they were, we're seeing that. They weren't allowed to enter into the temple. They still could have prayed. They still could have worshipped God outside of the the city limits or the the confines of the, the camp there. But they had a real longing, deep desire for full restoration with God and His people. Do we long for that? Do we hope for that? Is that something that we're experiencing? But the lepers just wouldn't have experienced that, this experience of separation, and everybody else as they're observing it should have understood it deeper as this this deep object lesson to create longing for us to be morally and our hearts longing for God. But it just wasn't the, the separation, but there was significant restoration that happened in this process. You remember reading over it when we read before it earlier? What would this experience of restoration been like for the leper and all those who watched? Remember, it was three stages. One took place when the, the, the priest goes outside. He had to go outside. The leper couldn't come in. When they think that they've been cleansed of the disease, the, the priest goes outside of the camp and does this stuff with some birds. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Then, uh, after that, they, they go through another stage where they shave and do some cleaning. Um, that's the second stage. Then the third stage is they, 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 they are able to, to come in finally into the sanctuary area and they go through this sacrificial uh, series of things. Some of the blood is applied to them and oil is applied to them. Think about how elaborate this would have been. Think about ceremonies in our culture, in our context. The more elaborate a ceremony is, the more significant what's happening and the value we place on what we're trying to communicate um, uh, with what is occurring within that, that ceremony. We've talked about this a little bit before. Think about how elaborate our marriage ceremonies are people wear different clothes, they say certain particular things, there's a pattern of the way that people come and enter in, there's an exchanging of rings and stuff that you're saying and and people are passed to different people the, the from the family to the the groom and and all of this stuff. Your clothes mean something. Your, your the things you put on your hand mean something. Uh the the groom's people are over here and the bride's people is over here. And then all of a sudden you're coming together and celebrating at the end. We're communicating something significant. This doesn't happen when you go to the grocery store. This doesn't happen when you sign up for a quarterly service with your pest control guy. I just had that done this last week. He came up other than shaking my hand and us talking No birds were killed. No smoke was sent up. We didn't exchange vows or any kind of cans of bug spray. It's not that significant in the life of our world. But here, notice how elaborate this ceremony of cleansing the leper is. First, what is God trying to say to the leper? One, these two birds. One bird is killed. Another bird, it uses the term "live," but they think most better is is the word "wild." This other wild bird was dipped in the blood, and it was let go and sent, and it flew off away. What's being said? Why would it have been wild? So it wouldn't have come back to the community. It would have gone somewhere else. What's God saying to the leper? As I'm applying this blood and transferring your uncleanness to this bird, and I'm sending it as far away from you as it can go. I'm dealing with it. My redemptive work has the effect of I will take your uncleanness away and send it as far from you as it'll go. The idea of clean, uh, the next stage, if he's doing it three times, wanting to underscore to the person who's experienced this isolation, God's work in his life. Wash, shave, be cleansed, to take away to again show I'm washing it away, I'm taking it away. But then they go into this the the sacrificial ceremony. Do you remember this? It sounds strange. Do you notice how the blood and, and oil is applied in, in some parts of this? Put it on the, the right earlobe, the right thumb. And the right big toe, both the blood and the oil. You remember hearing about that before? You remember when we've heard a ceremony like that? It was the ordination of the priests. So get this the only people who experienced this particular type of special ceremony were the priests and cleansed lepers. God is saying, I am restoring you to full fellowship with your people. And I want you to know and understand the importance of your place within the life of the people. Of Realizing that you're not going to become a priest like the tribes of Levi, but your role, just like the role of all of Israel, he gives almost this, this special honor and dignity to the leper as they're restored to say, as I'm applying it to your ears. In your thumb, and your toe, as this oil that is dedicated to God and then applied to you, there's, it's almost as if the grace of God touches this leper in a very profound way to say, I love you. I've cleansed you. I want you not just as any member of my people, but to realize you are a full member, participate in the life that I've redeemed this entire community for. You have great dignity and worth and value before me. It's as if over and over what God's trying to do is if there was any lingering doubt in the leper's mind or heart of God's perception of him since he had been separated from the people before, God is saying, look, when my work of redemption and cleansing does its work, it has profound effects in your life and in your status and in your ability to approach and participate in what I'm doing. Three times, in three different ways, God communicates to the leper, you're clean. You're clean. You're restored to relationship and full fellowship with me. Well, that might have been so then, right? But... It still seems that even in this interaction with this leper, God still seemed really distant. Distant and aloof from people who are suffering. And in the midst of their suffering, He sends them even further outside and isolates them away from the people. Sure, He gives them these ceremonies. But does He really care? Does He really care about what they're going on? Is He going to respond and treat me the same way? Is he going to be, is he distant and aloof from my suffering, from my experiences? When I'm now, am I to be distant and away and outside from him? Well, when Jesus appears on the scene, one thing that he keeps communicating to those who are listening and following him is, is that he says, when you, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. The things that I'm doing, the things that I'm saying, the values that I'm communicating, you can tell by looking at me, listening to me, being around me, what God thinks, what God cares about, what God values. Leprosy comes up a lot in the New Testament. Look back in uh, Mark chapter 1, where we were before. I don't know if you... We didn't read further, but listen to what happens. This leper comes up, breaks all of these social norms. The Pharisees were flipping out over this. But listen to what Jesus does. Jesus, it says in verse 41, the guy says, if you will, you can make me clean. Confidence that Jesus can do it. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. This word pity can be described as being compassion, but it also can translate a a word that is a deep, deep emotion of one that is is one of of anger. Psalmist is is what's being communicated here is a mixture of Jesus' deep compassion for this guy, but anger over his experience of the effects of the fall having this effect in his life. Jesus is deeply moved at this guy's pain and suffering. Jesus enters into his pain and suffering. And when other people wanted to run away and isolate him, Jesus touches and the touch of Jesus cleanses. What is, what is this all about? L- Later, when John the Baptist, the guy who was supposed to be a forerunner, telling about Jesus coming... John's about to die because Herod's about to kill him. And John gets nervous. Well, Jesus, are you really the one we were supposed to hope for? And in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 11, as uh, John sends some messengers to Jesus and says, Are you the, the, the Christ? Are you the promised one? Or are we supposed to look for another one? In, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 and following. And Jesus says this, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind received their sight the lame walk, lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. John's wondering, is Jesus really the one? And Jesus says, look, give John the signs of the kingdom, the signs that the promised one has come. One of those signs is that lepers are being cleansed. The effects of the fall, Your separation and people's separation and isolation from God is being done away with. Jesus is coming, communicating the values of God and the values of the kingdom. Jesus is saying, in my kingdom, there will be no lepers. Because when I do my work, I will bring all who I heal and make clean into fellowship and community with God. This is the work that I am doing I care about the suffering. God has always cared about the suffering. And God isn't standing aloof. God has entered in to the world and the brokenness and the pain and everything that these leprosy laws were pointing forward to. Jesus is coming and He's saying, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to make a way so that the unclean can be clean and come into my, My kingdom. Sinners aren't allowed into my kingdom, but I'm going to do something about it so that sinners can come into my kingdom. Well, how does he do it? How does God do this? How does Jesus do this work? How can the unclean come into the presence of God? Well, earlier in, Matthew, as, uh, in Matthew's account of this, these great healings, they say this, as Jesus heals all these sick people, lepers included in this following passage in in chapter 8 of Matthew. This is what they say. Matthew's commentary on it. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He's quoting from Isaiah 53, where... Uh, It's describing the servant who's going to come and redeem God's people. And the description of what he's saying there is part of the work of what the the servant was to do as they're uh, reflecting on it is one, he's coming and and Matthew's relating it to actual physical healing. But in the context of, of Isaiah 53, there's more going on there. It did apply to physical healing, but it's in this whole discussion of the servant's suffering on behalf of God's people to deliver them from their illnesses and their sicknesses, but also from their sin, their rebellion, their punishment they deserve before God. The people, as Isaiah is describing it, looked at the servant who was suffering and said, look at the problems he has. He must have been rejected by God. It's his problem. He's being afflicted. He's the sinner. He's the messed up one. And we get to this portion in Isaiah and it says, no, he bore our illnesses, our diseases. He's the innocent sufferer. It's our sin that he deals with. What work does Jesus do? Does God stand aloof? No, he enters into our world, saving and redeeming us by his own blood, dying in our place that we could be brought into full fellowship. God is saying that work that the leprosy was supposed to communicate to you of how you were separate from God. It's only through the cleansing work of God that you can be brought near. That is ultimately fulfilled through what Jesus has done. He comes to redeem and save sinners, to make those who are unclean be able to enter into the presence of God, to make it so that sinners can be declared righteous and fellowship with him. In Arizona... There was a girl, her name is Shy. And uh, she was being bullied. She had uh, some special needs and in her school she was being bullied by several kids. And her mom didn't know what to do because they couldn't get any names. And so her mom remembered tutoring a kid back in elementary school when her daughter was in elementary school and she called him and asked him if he would give her the names of the people who were bullying. He said, "I I don't know who it is. I can't give you the names, but I can do something else about it. Because you see, she didn't just call any kid. She called a kid who was on the football team. Not just any football team. The undefeated football team. This wasn't any member of the football team. He was the starting quarterback for the football team. And so what he did is he invited Shy to come now. Every lunch, she sat at his table with him and all the other football players as a message of saying, she is one with us. Don't mess with her. She has value and dignity. And you are going to start treating her differently now because of our relationship with her. They arranged places for every class she walked to. One of the football players walked with her. She was now invited to the dances and was always chaperoned by a football member because of their work, their fellowship, their identification with her. She was made clean within the high school community. On a much, much, much bigger level, that is the work that Jesus has done for you. Get this. We are all unclean. We do not deserve to enter into the presence of God. But guess what He does this morning? He invites you to come and sit at His table. To eat with him. To feast with him. And he says to you, I've made you clean. And I've done, I have done. have a special way to communicate that to you. By my body being blow, broken and blood being poured out. That you are made clean and you are a part of my people. I've entered into your brokenness. I've entered into your pain. And I love you. Let's pray. And then if you're helping with the supper, would you come forward? Jesus, we love you. We thank You for Your redeeming work. We thank You for making those who have no access to You able to come into Your presence. Make us more and more uh, to love and delight in You, our Savior, our Redeemer, the One who heals and cleanses lepers and who redeems and saves sinners. It's in Your name we pray. Amen.